Hey guys, welcome back to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is episode number 17. So this week on the episode, I speak with Insane Ian, who I recently saw open for MC Lars in Chicago. Um, and I made a, a comment to him in the interview about how just really cool it is when you know, an opening act grabs your attention um, and is someone that immediately you're like, oh, I have to see more of their stuff, you know? Um, and that's what happened with him. I've always been a fan of comedy music and um, parodies and stuff like that. Grew up with my uncle uh, listening to a lot of like Weird Al, uh, Haywood Banks, and various other uh, comedy acts. Uh, Dr. Demento show, which I bring up in the interview as well. And just, yeah, it, it was a really cool um, kind of nostalgic thing for me to get to see someone new doing that stuff live and, you know, decided that I was going to reach out to him and, and see if he wanted to do the show. And he was all about it. So um I have links to all of his social medias and things like that in the description below. I'm sure I'll say that again after the the interview. Um, but yeah, we talk a lot about Dr. Demento and the state of comedy music and kind of his, his background and motivation for doing different things like video game songs and parodies and, and whatnot. So hope you guys enjoy it. I don't want to eat up a ton of time before the... The actual interview, so we're going to dive right into that, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hello, Josh. Hey, Ian. How's it going, man? Pretty well. How you doing? Not too bad, you know. Just got off work, so life's okay. Can't complain. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, obviously, I saw you in uh, Chicago with MC Lars. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, I just wanted to, like, honestly, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, I promise. Uh, <laughs> honestly, like, you know, when it comes to, to openers and stuff like that, it's always nice when there's someone that truly grabs your interest. So, me and my friend that I took to the show with me, the second you walked off stage, both of us added you on Spotify and we're like, Yep, we're checking that shit out. So, Excellent. Yeah, thank you. Awesome job, man. Appreciate um, that. Yeah, thank you for you know taking the time to do this as well. Um, thought it'd be cool to you know kind of help promote you some and hopefully get you some more gigs and get your name out there a little further. I appreciate that. Yeah. So um, basically what we're going to do um, is start off with every interview question that will ever happen, and that is – your name and a little bit of the background on how you kind of got started um, and just what you do. Sure. Okay. Go for it. Uh, well, all right. Uh, my name is Insane Ian. Uh, I have been doing comedy music and nerdcore hip-hop for the better part of almost 11 years now. In this particular iteration of Insane Ian, I've technically been doing the Insane Ian stage persona since high school. Uh, since a, a lifelong affinity for Weird Al Yankovic uh, and doing comedy music since high school. But this particular version of it, I've been writing and recording albums uh, since 2009. And I've uh, kind of been doing that. And uh, throughout this kind of thing that I've been doing, I've been played a lot on the Dr. Demento show. And I am a member of the Funny Music Project, which is a website that releases two songs a week for free under a Creative Commons license and has been doing so since 2007. I'm a core member there, and I, for a while, was releasing a new song every month on the site. I, I've slowed down a little bit, not quite as prolific as I used to be. Uh, kind of went through a lot of stuff a couple years ago, but getting back into the game now. Awesome. So... You know, for me, the name that stuck out there is Dr. Demento. Um, <laughs> I remember taking long car rides with my uncle back in the days of cassette tapes and listening to Dr. Demento on cassette tape. Oh, um, yeah. So, you know, that's uh, just a cool, like, nostalgic thing, you know? Well, Dr. D has been doing doing his show for 50 years now. This year is his 50th anniversary. He's not on terrestrial radio anymore, but he's 
still does a brand new show every single week. Uh, every Saturday, he has a new show on drdemento.com. Uh, I actually am the admin of the official Dr. Demento Facebook group on Facebook. <laughs> um, and uh, so I actually had the number one song for the year on Dr. Demento for 2015. And I was also part of the number one song uh, last year for 2019. Uh, good uh, comedy music friend of mine, Devo Spice, did a song called Spider Verses. And he had different MCs in this Spider-Man cipher doing, uh, playing each different spider persona from the Into the Spider-Verse movie. So he was the original Peter Parker. I was Peter B. Parker. We had uh, Lex the Lexicon artist at Penny Parker. We had uh, uh, Creative Mind Frame, a.k.a. 1UP, as Miles Morales. Stuff like that happened in the song. It's a great uh, posse track. It's a good cypher, and that one was number one last year, so I got to be a part of that, too. That was really cool. Awesome. And that's, I mean, A, that's insane for any radio <laughs> show or whatever to be 50 years is, is crazy. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, again, to be someone that's able to be highlighted on it multiple times uh, is also kind of in that realm of, you know, like you said, terrestrial radio, maybe not so much anymore, but... Let's be honest, most of what's on standard radio anymore is pretty much trash. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of pop and, and a lot of, you know, flavor of the week stuff like that. But also, I, I still listen to terrestrial radio because a lot of what I do is pop culture influenced. Right. So because I do parodies as well as originals, I kind of listen to pop radio and see what's hot at the moment and maybe take a twist on that, kind of like what Weird Al does. But, uh, you know, I do a lot of original songs, too. I do the nerdcore hip-hop thing, like what you saw at the, uh, the MC Lars show. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Barry's, uh, Barry Hansen, that's the Dr. Demento's real name. He's been doing the show for 50 years and actually <laughs> uh, is in talks to be here in Chicago again in August at Fumpfest, which is the FUMP, the website that I work for, we have an annual comedy music festival here in Chicago that I myself MC. And for our uh, next FUMP Fest in August, we are moments away of getting uh, getting him to be our guest of honor this year. So Awesome. Well, A, congrats on that. Um, <laughs> but B, definitely hit me up a little closer to that. Maybe I can come up and do some photography for you guys and you oh, know, interviews. Oh, Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so we'll we'll touch base on that later. But um, you know, you you brought up doing the uh, parodies and such, such like Weird Al and and things like that. Um, a couple of the the songs that you know kind of grabbed me when I went through like Spotify and a couple other you know YouTube and whatever. Uh, was your Harry Potter song? Um, <laughs> That's which one? Because I I actually did an entire EP about Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, this one I did. I did this one's I did, just called Harry Potter. Oh, it's just called Harry Potter. That's from the EP. I did an EP called Wizard, and it is all parodies of Weezer songs about the Harry Potter universe. So it's Wizard Rock plus Weezer equals Wizard. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, and I recently also just did a parody of uh, the Lady of Rage's song Afro Puffs from the 90s, this old 90s West Coast hip hop song called mm-hmm. Hufflepuffs. And that yep. was a, a more recent <laughs> yep. Harry Potter-esque song. But yeah. Yeah, that one was on the list as well. Uh, your, um, oh, what was that song called? Is it just called Superpowers? What would your superpower be? Yeah, Superpowers. It was the second song I did at the uh, the Lars show. That's yep. the original track, yeah. Awesome. And then uh, Spider-Ham. I mean, you can't go wrong with Spider-Ham. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Ham, I wrote that song before Spider-Ham got big with the Into the Spider-Verse uh, movie. This was based on the comic book version from Star Comics way, way back in the day, early 80s stuff. Awesome. Because well, then... I'm old. <laughs> I feel you on that, man. Uh, and then didn't the Simpsons do uh, kind of a spoof on that as well at one point? Uh, he, they did Spider Pig, which I do a Homer Simpson impression at the beginning of the track. Right. Uh, starting out with Spider Pig and then turning into Spider Ham because, you know, that's what the song was in the Simpsons movie, et cetera. So, yep. yeah. Awesome. All the pop culture connections because pop culture is my life, apparently. <laughs> hey, man, it's working. So that's what matters, right? <laughs> Anything to Pays gain traction. Bills, so. Anything to gain traction. So um, 
obviously, you know, when you think about kind of comedy music and whatnot, Weird Al is probably the top of everybody's list. Um, And it's unfortunately never gotten as mainstream as it probably should have other than Weird Al. Um, So it's going to be kind of a deep question, I think. But what do you think contributes to not getting the radio play and the, you know, the spotlight in that sort of genre? Well, I mean, it really boils down to what everyone perceives it as. Al's had the the privilege of having the longevity because he's not really been viewed as a novelty act the way that most other comedy musicians tend to be perceived. There are a couple other what quote-unquote could sort of be called mainstream comedy musicians. You've got your Tenacious D, you've got your Lonely Island, you've got Stephen Lynch, you've got the Garfunkel and Oates. Uh, But uh, beyond that, comedy music does kind of have this sort of weird stigma to it. You know, because a lot of people think of, like, stuff from the Dr. Demento show, like Spike Jones and Tom Lehrer, this stuff that has this kind of novelty to it but doesn't really hold up in their eye as legitimate music, which is kind of disheartening, and that's kind of really what's been holding back a lot of comedy musicians from really kind of achieving any outward... <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I, I hesitate to say this phrase, same, but kind of outward recognition beyond the niche genre that they're already in. Comedy music is already kind of a niche area, as is nerdcore hip-hop, and there's a lot of crossover between nerdcore hip-hop and comedy music. There are some artists who do very funny songs in nerdcore but don't really consider themselves comedy musicians, and at the same time, because they don't want to become pigeonholed by the novelty of it. Right, right. So... I guess my thing with it, like you, you kind of said, is people don't take it as legitimate, you know. Um, yeah. The we we have a we have a T-shirt uh, for the Fump. Uh, it's the Fump. Real music. It's like real music, but funny. Um, <laughs> That's solid. One of our artist Shoebox from Worm Quartet uh, wrote that shirt. He actually opened for MC Lars a couple late dates later than the date you saw at that. So. Yeah, I think he was. Was it uh, Cincinnati, maybe, or Cleveland, something like no, that? No, no, it was uh, Rochester. New York. Oh, Rochester. Okay, yeah. Last night, of and the he tour. actually uh, he actually sings on Lars's album on the uh, the Metric song, the Adam and his package cover about yeah. Metrics. Yeah, that's uh, that's Shoebox of Warm Quartet singing the backup in that song. Awesome. Um, what I was gonna gonna tie into that is, you know, I think it's kind of like you said, it's unfortunate that it doesn't get that recognition as real music, especially like to think about the talent that it takes to parody somebody's song, you know, take mm-hmm. especially a major pop hit like Weird Al has done. And, you know, um, you've got a, a song sampling Kesha, you know, like to take someone that everybody knows and then tweak it and make it funny and still relevant, I think takes just as much, if not more talent, because you're Absolutely. not trying to butcher the song. You know, you still want no, the no. song to hold up. And that's, and that's a lot of the, the other side of it too is some people see parody as you're making fun of the original song and that couldn't be further from the truth it it takes a lot to do a parody because you have to listen to that song over and over again in order to get the nuances and to get the lyrics to fit into this pre-existing frame that already is there you know and a lot of i have a i have a my chemical romance song that i did a parody of I did a parody of uh, Welcome to the Black Parade called Welcome to the Last Arcade. Uh-huh. And, you know, that song on YouTube for me has the most negative comments out of any song I've ever gotten because they think I'm making fun of My Chemical Romance, which couldn't be further from the truth. If I'm going to listen to a song that much in order to parody it, I better damn like it. Right, right. Because <laughs> it's going to be repeated endlessly in my head as I'm trying to work on the song. Yeah. So, you know, there is that affinity toward these songs. But then again, also because of the way the pop culture moves, because things are popular doesn't necessarily mean they're always good and people have different tastes, etc. But there, there is a certain amount of... Uh, musicality in in trying to do a parody to re- find lyrics that fit this already predetermined scansion. Uh, writing the original songs also has that to it, especially uh, in doing things like writing songs in a particular style of an artist. Like again, not to bring up Al because 
I guess kind of see kind of the cornerstone for it, but he'll do a what he calls a a style parody or a pastiche of an artist. Like Dare to Be Stupid is a Devo style song, but it's not a parody of any particular song. Right. I do the same thing. You know, I, I have a a meatloaf style song on my last album. I have a Rob Zombie style song, but they're not parodies of any direct song of theirs. Right. Yeah, and I think you know within that, not to to knock any of those artists or any artist really, but you know the the one that I'll say as an example that everybody you know tends to to bag on is Nickelback. So like most of their songs <laughs> sound very similar. So it's easy oh, yeah. to do a, a song that's going to sound like Nickelback, you know, because sure. you know what Nickelback is going to sound like. Um, exactly, exactly. They have these certain earmarks that are easy to pick out that are recognizable. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, back in the day with Name That Tune, you know, it's one of those, can I name this song based on four notes because that artist always does it, you know? Exactly. So, um Awesome, you know, little side tangent that we got on there, but I, I like it. So um, <laughs> you you do a lot with um, YouTube and like Bandcamp and things like that. Um, on YouTube, you've got a few things because I did, you know, my due diligence and investigated you a little bit. Um, you do uh, comedy musician reacts and, you know, yeah. bad lip reading and things like that. Um, talk about, you know, just kind of the the feel with those, like what inspired you to, to get into reacting to those sorts of videos and, you know, meeting with the audience in that space? Sure. Uh, well, I, I, I do a lot of different things on my YouTube channel. I do music videos, obviously for a lot of the songs that I do, but I also do various videos just to kind of keep posting stuff on my YouTube channel. And the Comedy Musician Reacts thing kind of came about with a lot of the epic rap battles of history videos that they were posting. They had just done the brand new season and were posting new videos every couple of weeks. And I'm like, I'm a big comedy music fan. I'm not just a guy who performs comedy music. I also love comedy music outside of already being part of the scene. So, you know, reaction videos, they're popular. People seem to like them for whatever reason. Uh, and so <laughs> I thought, hey, let me try to give my spin on it, a spin that I'm not seeing out there. I'm seeing rappers react to these songs, but I'm not seeing it coming from a perspective of somebody who is a fan of comedy music or who also performs comedy music. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, me doing something as if not really in a class kind of way, like, hey, this is how you should perform comedy music, but more of a, uh, this is why this is good, this is why this joke works, this is why it works for me, this is what I would do, kind of headspace for the reaction videos. And they seem to have been getting a really good turnaround as far as, like, response. People really seem to react very well to my reactions of the ERB videos, and I'm trying to bring in some lesser-known comedy musicians and react to their work to kind of give them a little bit more visibility as well. Yeah. And I, I mean, so one of the things with You Make the Scene, um, you know, I talked to Lars in Chicago that night, and I've talked to a few different artists. Kind of the, the background on You Make the Scene is exactly what you're talking about with the community. You know, that was my big thing growing up. You know, I grew up in the the era of scene and emo music when when it was like my prime, you know, formative teenage years. But yeah. I always thought that there was more to it than just the kind of negative label of, oh, you're a scene kid or whatever. Right. And so I basically, a few years back, you know, really took a step back as I was leaving um, a couple major companies I was writing for. And I was like, you know, I think that to me, answering to these corporate you know, people that aren't in the industry or in the scene of music as much anymore isn't helpful because they don't understand what goes into it. So for for me, you make the scene has all been about the community. And regardless of if you're a fan of like country music, comedy music, you know, nerdcore hip hop, punk, you know, punk, whatever, that's your scene. And it's all about you as a, a fan and someone that's a creator in that space to lift Absolutely. it up. So I think that's cool that you're you're using your platform to unselfishly 
you know, broadcast other uh, potential acts for people and things like that. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's really kind of what I, I try to do at the FUMP. Uh, basically what the, the FUMP does is, you know, we have our, our general stable of artists. It's kind of a comedy music collective of different performers, but we're always looking for new comedy musicians to come to our site, post their songs there, and kind of get that kind of broader notice for this kind of niche art form, this kind of niche music style that not a lot of people really acknowledge or know about beyond the few mainstream artists that do it. Uh, and, you know, whenever I, I'm originally from Baltimore, uh, I, I moved to Chicago maybe about three years ago. And out in Baltimore, the comedy music scene was me. I was pretty much one of the only guys out in Baltimore doing comedy music. But I knew of other people throughout the U.S. and beyond that were doing it. I moved out to Chicago to kind of help promote Fump Fest a little more. And there are plenty of comedy musicians here in Chicago. So it's really like as I've been living here, I've been like tapping them to pull, hey, you have a recording of that song? Post it on the Fump. I know tons of people who would love to hear this track. Dr. Demento listens to our website every single week and plays his new favorites from the site on his show when he does his show every week. So it's, you know, trying to get this art form that I just don't just perform, but I have a love and affinity for more recognition throughout the scene. And that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, again, I, Hey, that's super cool that he's paying attention to your site to, uh, Dr. Demento is to try to, to bolster that as well. And not, you know, just whatever people are, are handing him from record labels and, <laughs> and things. Oh, I don't um, think any record labels have handed Dr. D anything in the many years. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, though. You know, that comedy scene, other than those few people that we've named, it kind of doesn't exist on a on a label anymore. It, so many of you guys really, are no. so many of it, you guys are DIY, doing it yourself, and you know. Oh yeah, no, the it's it's all so much of a, a true indie scene, especially with you know the crossover with nerdcore and what have you. Uh, one of the guys who runs the Fump is a, is an artist named Devo Spice, and his company that he puts out his CDs on that he runs the Fump through is called Fightem Interactive, and Fightem stands for Fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> and that, I mean that's the attitude you have to have at this point, though, right? You know, like exactly, it's you can only ask for so much before you have to make that realization that if you don't do it for yourself, nobody's going to hand you anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, within the, the DIY of it, uh, obviously there are a ton of struggles, but um, kind of put out there a little bit, you know, some of the things you go through when you decide on a project and, you know, start working towards studio time, things like that. What all goes into that for you and kind of some of those costs that are associated with it? Well, for me, uh, it's, it's a little more disparate than that because I there's so much DIY with it in that I don't write music myself. All of the, the music production end of it is friends of mine because I, I write lyrics and I'm a vocalist, but I don't really have much music aptitude beyond <laughs> that. <laughs> Which is fair. So, uh, you know, uh, I had a guy that I worked with back in Baltimore named Ben Stahl who did all of my backing tracks for my songs. He's an amazing musician, uh, plays literally everything. Uh, so any instrumentation that you would hear on most of my tracks is Ben playing everything, guitars, keys, bass, drums, everything, what have you in that song, that's all Ben. Uh, moving away from Baltimore, he and I don't work together nearly as much as we'd like to anymore, uh, but there are other comedy musicians and uh, comedy music adjacent people that do backing tracks that I've worked with and really it's just you know you're you're paying for backing tracks from a friend most of my recording is done you know here at my house <laughs> so it's not really renting a studio a lot but right. because of the way technology has advanced you don't need to go to a studio anymore that's the great thing about the DIY scene is you can do it all at home and it still sounds if you get the right production involved it still sounds just as good as a mainstream studio label 
full studio sound album. Yeah. Um, so I guess with that then, let's talk about, since you do most of your your production at home, uh, some of the tools that you use, like, you know, GarageBand, Fruity Loops, anything like that. Uh, well, I mean, Ben would record in, we started out recording in GarageBand and then we moved on to Logic. Um, don't really use Fruity Loops for a lot of the beats um, because Ben would just make beats uh, <laughs> through instruments. Right. Um, through, through different songs. Uh, but a lot of the recording that I do at home, <laughs> I use, um, I can't even think of the name of it right now. Not, it's not called Reverb. I have to sit here and open my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> but I cannot think of what it's called. It is called reaper i knew it had an r in it i use reaper to record my vocals i use acid and music studio uh, occasionally i'll get loops from magic's music maker uh to to kind of like just make loops for a real quick song sometimes uh all royalty free stuff that i can i can hammer out a, a quick original tune with stuff like that um but you know it's it, honestly the real basic stuff for my setup, uh, I, I'm not very technically involved with a lot of the stuff that I do. Right. I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't have a great mic, and yet we get a good sound out of it. As long as you can get a good, clean sound out of your equipment, you can make anything sound professional. And I, the stuff I use, not that you know, really well-known, high-grade stuff. I have a Blue Snowball that I do a lot of my vocals on. It's a USB mic. It's not expensive it's budget and right. you know it works for the budget that i have because honestly i'm not making benjamins doing this i'm <laughs> lucky if i'm making jackson's right so. <laughs> right well that, that's the thing i think a lot of people uh maybe i don't know just misunderstand it. even opening for someone like lars and and doing the festival and things like that like there's not necessarily that much money in it nowadays no, no, it, Basically, a lot of people stay independent because, you know, you're making your money from your album sales because releasing it through Bandcamp, there's not that much of an overhead that goes to Bandcamp and most of the money goes to you. Right. You know, touring, if you're, if you're on a tour, that is your main source of income. You know, Lars even has a, has a song called Captains of Industry. Yeah. Him and MC Frontalot captains of industry never thought that they'd be in the t-shirt business they thought they would be musicians but they make their money selling t-shirts at their concerts yeah and that's you know it's the sad state of affairs of what the music industry is but at the same time staying diy you're going to get your most money back on what investment you're putting into the music because you're still doing it all yourself right yeah and i've actually talked to lars a few times so back in like man, I don't know, 2011, 2012, something like that, on Warp <laughs> Tour, uh, he and I were talking and and we were, you know, going over just some of the DIY ethos and he was touring um, on Warp Tour. Uh, Josh Eppard of Coheed and Cambria was in a band called Terrible, Terrible Things, maybe? It was like a little <laughs> super group. And then sure. he also does some MC stuff under the name Weird Science. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've met Weird Science. Yeah, so that that's Josh. He's actually the drummer for Coheed and Cambria. Um, yeah, 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 I met him a couple of years ago, yeah. Yeah, so... Super, On a Lars tour, of, yeah, of all things. Yeah, super good dude, but they were talking about, you know, how they would rather give music away for free online if it meant you would show up to a show and buy a shirt because they're... Absolutely. They're realistically going to make the money there compared to... You know, putting out especially physical CDs nowadays, the the cost to put out physicals isn't cheap. I mean, the process and production of them, you're not making a whole lot of margin when you're selling the CD for ten, fifteen bucks. No, not at all. And especially if you know it's gotten cheaper a lot over the years, yeah. but it still isn't as cost effective as putting the song up for download or having it stream on Spotify. Yeah. And, you know, Lars, we actually just talked about that on in Chicago. Um, we brought up Spotify because at the time that I had talked to him last, you know, that wasn't really a thing yet. They were – Apple was kind of toying with streaming but not a, a true service yet. 
And, you know, just seeing some of the numbers, he's like, you know, at least Spotify pays my rent. I don't make a ton of money, but I pay my rent from Spotify. But that doesn't put food in my mouth. That doesn't pay any of my other bills, you know. So thinking about those things for a lot of artists, that's why I always push that too. Like I would much rather, you know, do this show for you and get 10 more people through the next door for you that hopefully buy your merch and, you know, all that, get that word of mouth out there because people don't understand Lars and, and Schaefer on this tour did all that themselves. They drove themselves oh, yeah. show to show, set up merch, set up sound, everything by themselves. And, you know, without paying a crew and stuff, that's the only way they're really making money. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a very punk aesthetic to it. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he said that back on Warp Tour uh, that he was punk rock at heart, but, you know, nerdcore rapper in face so um you know (laughs) Lars is a great dude and you know for him to bring you out was like I said for me it was awesome because it was exposure to you know who knows if I would have found you just randomly online somewhere yeah yeah and and that's the thing is like you know I have a song in my in my act the first song that I performed was about being an opening act Mm -hmm. I I I have been an opener for dozens of different acts that come through different cities that I happen to be in at the time and, and have been, you know, (laughs) kind of sounds weird to say, but blessed with the opportunity to open for them. But I, you know, also have no, like, no misnomers about what that actually means (laughs) either. (laughs) Right. So I know what goes along with that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've, I've known Lars for, as long as I've been doing this, I've known Lars for 11 years and we've always talked about, uh, having me open for him. Uh, he is always, whenever I come to see him at a show, he is always the nicest dude. We commonly refer to him as the happy puppy of nerdcore. Cause right. he's just the nicest guy. Yeah. That's, but, that's one thing I, when, I told my friend, I was like, you know, I haven't seen Lars, uh, probably in three or four years up until that night. And I go, I bet you a, I get a hug. B, he asks me, you know what I mean? Just like, because he's yeah. the nicest, friendliest dude. And just instantly he's like, oh, hey, man, what's going on? And just he, he's so down to earth, so humble. And, you know, it's somebody that you can really respect and and get behind for support. Another mutual friend of ours, uh, a comedy artist by the name of the great Luke Ski, who's done a couple songs with Lars, has uh, famously said, you know, you're standing next to Lars because you've had five hugs and 15 fist bumps and everything is tight. <laughs> yep. Yep. Everything is tight. So. Everything is tight. But, but Lars is, is such a gracious dude to everybody who comes out to see him, not just friends, but fans. He's always there trying to see everybody who comes out. Whenever I come to see him, he like has always been super gracious in getting me on stage with him. Like he doesn't have to do that, but he does. I've performed Mr. Raven with him dozens of times uh, as being his hype man. Right. He was at Warp Tour in Baltimore, and he had me on stage two, doing two songs with him on Warp Tour in Baltimore. Right. He didn't have to do that, but that is the coolest thing I get to say to people. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, again, that goes to show within the, you make the scene, you know, ethos, uh, building up those around you is only going to elevate yourself as well. Because yeah, if you're, if you're known as that guy, like Lars is easily known as that guy. Well, if I make it, who am I bringing out with me? The guy that <laughs> helped me get there, you know? So, <laughs> It's just incredible to see that. And, you know, like you said earlier with uh, with the website that you guys are focused on trying to build that that community as well. And hopefully, you know, get it to a point where is it going to be on radio? Probably not. But can it be mainstream enough that everybody has a comedy artist that they at least recognize the name of or like? Sure. Absolutely. So, um one other thing that, that you do a lot of is uh, video game raps. <laughs> As a yeah, game... you, you, you can say I do that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As a gamer myself, uh, I guess kind of what inspired the idea to, to do, like, reviews of games as a song and things like that? Uh, well, I had been a 
video game reviewer for a number of years for various and sundry different websites. I when Kevin Smith did Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, mm-hmm. there was a website in that movie called moviepoopshoot.com. Uh-huh. <laughs> And it was kind of an ain't it cool news analog for the movie. Well, right after the movie came out, they turned it into a real website. And I was their sole video game reviewer. Okay. <laughs> and I was I was the only guy writing video game reviews on the site, so I reviewed a ton of stuff that came out around that time, and I've been writing video game reviews ever since, bouncing from various different sites. When Kevin Smith left that site, I left it too and moved on to Comic Mix for a while, and then I moved on to Destructoid, which is one of the biggest video game blog uh, review sites out there right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I wrote for Destructoid for a number of years, and I kind of thought, well, I already do comedy music. I love video games. Let me mash the two together. And I decided to do Reviewsicles. Uh, Reviewsicles was a Kickstarter idea that I did back in 2014. Uh, and I was like, hey, I need, let me, let me raise some money to get some materials so that I can actually make music videos using footage from games. So I need like a laptop, a camera, a capture card. This is going to be an album. That was 2014. That album is coming out this year. Uh, it's a little <laughs> late. It's a little late. I understand that. Uh, <laughs> I went through a lot in the ensuing years when I was in production. I did that Kickstarter, but also at the same time, I was working on a double album, which came out in 2014. That album is Internet Famous, which it was it was already a two-disc album, just audio-wise. When I did the physical version of it, it was a four-disc album. Uh, I went through a divorce and a move in 2016. I've been in and out of the hospital with kidney stones, gallbladder, etc. over the past couple of years. Been at and lost many jobs, so the Refusicals album itself kept getting pushed back. <laughs> yeah, I can see where it just slides down the ladder a little bit when just, when priorities happen. Just a happen. touch. Yeah. Just a touch. And also, as much as I like writing songs about video games, and I was doing it already without them being review songs, putting that kind of almost handicap on myself of making them have to be reviews, not just funny songs about games, but reviewing a game with a funny song, because I kind of handicapped myself like that, that kind of like stretched that out a little longer because those suddenly became harder to write. Right. So that's another reason why that kind of got delayed as much as it did. But that said, uh, I, the people who've backed this on the Kickstarter have been in um, amazingly patient with this album. <laughs> um, and they, it is supposed to come out later this year. I am down to the, the finishing the last two songs on it. And one of them is featuring a guest star is another comedy musician who also happened to have made a game. Uh, and it was a very popular game that's on PlayStation theme, uh, et cetera. Awesome. But uh, I, I can't really tell what that is because right. there is still that off chance that they may change their mind. But that is the one main track that I'm waiting to finish on this. It's written, but I they're moving and I'm waiting for them to get settled into their new place so they can record their part and I can get this album finally out. Yeah. I will still do songs about video games, but maybe not review them with songs anymore because <laughs> it because it's taken me so damn long doing this. <laughs> right, right. And so you just released a, a video for the Dishonored uh, reviewsical, and I, I had checked yeah. that out. And that, that was kind of going to be my next follow-up question that you touched on, is how much harder is it to make a review song versus just a song about the game? You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and that's really kind of been what's what's holding that this album back. Like, Dishonored. Dishonored hasn't had a new game for, well... Probably about six years now, right? Uh-huh. The last, the third Dishonored game came out in 2014, I think. Right around there, yeah. So, yeah, so this song has been planned for this album since the beginning of the album. It just came out in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> making, it a re- making it a review kind of, I kind of kneecapped myself on this one. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, I putting that focus on it was a cool learning experience still with that. I can, you know, I like writing the funny songs about games. You mentioned the Kesha one. Dick Dug is one of my yep. more popular songs, and it's just a funny song because 
we've taken TikTok and made it about Dig Dug. You know, I like old school 80s gaming, and what's funnier than that when a song that already sounds 8-bit is singing about drinking? Let's (laughs) change that, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I like the dichotomy there. But at the same time, uh, you know... I can still do it, but it definitely was was a little tougher to do that way than it was just to make a generally funny song about the, about the game. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know, like I said, I've I've watched that Dishonored video like two or three times now just to <laughs> kind of get a feel for everything. And and I knew that you had been working on the uh, the actual album, so um, you know, I think it's an interesting spin. You know, for sure. As far as I've read my share of game reviews and magazines and websites and i've obviously watched videos of them but that's the first song review that i've ever heard yeah yeah and it was it was definitely something that was like hey i'm gonna carve this niche out for myself it was an experiment to see if it was something that i could do considering it's taken me six years to put out 12 songs for the damn thing i would call it a kind of a failed experiment (laughs) but it was an experiment nonetheless I mean, it was definitely a learning experience. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, if you learn from it, though, is it really failed? You just know what not to do next time. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I I know maybe not to handicap myself so much by limiting what my scope is with them. Um, Basically, it's me trying to put my spin on a lot of what the popular YouTube performers are doing. There is a whole subsection of nerdcore that is specifically on YouTube more than focusing on putting out albums and singles the way that, say, Lars or Shaper or Frontalot are doing. Mega Ran, they put out, they focus on the albums. You know, that's, right. that's the old school nerdcore scene. The newer nerdcore scene is YouTube. It's all just singles. They're not focusing on albums. They're focusing on what is hot now, and the single immediately has a video, and they do them weekly or yeah. monthly, and it's insane. And Reviewsicles was kind of my attempt at doing the same thing. And how do you feel like that went, Ian? <laughs> yeah, well, I think I've kind of made that obvious. I tend to ramble a little bit. I don't know if you, I've repeated the point enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, one last thing that, that we focus on here at You Make the Scene, and I think it ties in well, uh, maybe getting a little deep on it, but we focus a lot on like mental health and, and stuff like that. So especially in the music industry where we lost, you know, Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington within a year of each other um, right. to suicide and, and things like that within the, you know, if you want to use your genre specifically fine, but just in general for a DIY artist, someone that's, you know, been doing it for 11 years now and just that constant climb, you know, What's it like from a mental state? What advice do you have for for kids that are maybe thinking about starting out or, you know, taking that direction? Well, it's first I have to say how striking it is to have someone ask what the mental state is of a person who's named is insane. (laughs) Yeah. It was um, intentional. <laughs> there's a little bit of a stigma with my name as it is on that landscape already. <laughs> Now, I, I will, let me, let me address this right away from that point. I do know that there's probably maybe a little bit of an ableist stigma with my name. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 it's not coming from a mental illness insanity standpoint. Words have changed meanings over the years. That's the way the language evolves. And words don't have the same meaning as they had originally when they were first conceived. Right. Insane, in my case, means out, out, outrageous, bizarre, not mentally ill. Right. Uh, so, you know, it was kind of going along the lines of Weird Al or Whimsical Will or Good Time Gill, all those Dr. Demento yeah. names, a lot of alliteration that was along with that. That said, uh, getting back to your point, as far as uh, trying to keep a good mental focus on what you're doing, uh, as far as your music and trying to get into this scene is don't do it because you want money or fame. It's never going to be about that. Do it because you love doing it. Don't do it for anybody else. Do it for you. That's why I do this. I think this is funny. If somebody else thinks this is funny, 
that's gravy. That's icing on the cake. That's a bonus. But I think it's funny, and I'm going to do it because I think it's funny. If I find my audience through that, all the better. But I do not strive to find that audience too hard because if I put too much of my mental time into that, I'm not going to put enough time into the songs. Right. So it's more of a, it's more of a, I'm doing this for me. If other people get enjoyment from it, that's a bonus. Awesome. And I I think that's super important. And of course, I'm going to blank on the artist that I was talking to at the time, but we, (laughs) we talked about, um, kind of that same thing, the authenticity of your music. You know, if you're being authentic, um, I remember it was actually the, episode number two on the podcast with a band called Miss You. Um, He brought up the point that, you know, like, if you're doing this for any other reason than you love it, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely absolutely no reason to to get into this, especially nowadays, and think, I'm going to make Metallica money. I'm going to (laughs) make, you know... Ozzy Osbourne money. There, that doesn't Metallica exist doesn't anymore. Metallica doesn't even make Metallica money anymore. Well, that's fair. They <laughs> should have quit a while back. But, you know, like Justin Timberlake, you're, I'm sorry, you're not going to make his money. That's just never no. going to happen nowadays. Um, you know, a lot of people hit that that golden spot where, you know, Timberlake was able to, to explode. That has gone by the wayside drastically. And I think it's important for people to know that, you know, the – the toll that the music industry will take on you mentally is very, very heavy because Mm -hmm. you're going to face a lot of rejection before you get that first yes. You know, I've, I've got friends in bands that I couldn't tell you how many even small town clubs or dive bars have said, no, we don't, you know, we're not playing music or whatever. Yeah. And had that door shut in their face. And it's like, well, why are we even trying? You know, there's, there's a certain comfortableness with rejection that you kind of have to have in order to be in anything in the entertainment field. Not just music, but as an actor, as a performer, as anything entertainment-based, be comfortable with rejection because you're going to see it a lot. That's the difference between artists who survive in this industry and those who call it quits really quick is because they've become comfortable with rejection because for those 10 people that have turned you down, the 11th is the one that says, yeah, come on, come on out and perform. Right. Yes. Okay. We'll hire you for this acting gig. You know, that's, that's the nature of show business Yeah. uh, is, is being comfortable with that rejection. But at the same time, that's what being doing the stuff for yourself is about. You're not, trying to seek their approval as it anyway you know you're doing it for you so if you're doing it for you you're comfortable with that rejection because it doesn't matter what they want you're doing it for you right right so i think that's everything i've got for you man um i really appreciate you taking the time um well, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate being asked. <laughs> yeah, not a problem at all. Um, As you can clearly see, I like talking about me. <laughs> I'm all for it, man. It makes for good episodes. Um, so I do want to give you the opportunity. I know we've touched on a few things, uh, projects and just things that you work on. I'm going to give you time to plug anything you want, you know, websites, projects, whatever you've got. Plug it all away and, and we'll uh, sure. support you. Okay, well, uh, first and foremost, you can find my music at insaneian.bandcamp.com. I have over 40 different releases on there, three full albums, three B-side collections, two live albums with a third one coming out later this year, and uh, like eight or nine EPs, plus a bunch of singles, plus a bunch of albums that I've produced, like a Weird Al Yankovic tribute album, a tribute album to the President of the United States of America. I'm also working on a new tribute album for the comedy music group Ninja Sex Party. That is in production right now. I did a Kickstarter for it a month ago that our goal admittedly was a little too high. So we're scaling it back. We're going to relaunch that fundraiser for it in March, probably around the time this episode airs. 
so keep an eye out for the Ninja Sex Party tribute album called Above the Covers. Myself, uh, other nerd rock artists and other comedy musicians are going to be on there. Debo Spice, Kirby Crackle, Dan Vask, a bunch of other great artists are going to be on that. Uh, also, like I said, the Funny Music Project, or The Fump, can be found at T-H-E-F-U-M-P dot com. Two funny songs a week for free under a Creative Commons license or for a dollar for a high-quality download, Tuesdays and Fridays, ever since 2007. And I guess the last thing I can plug is my YouTube channel, where I do taste test videos, comedy musician reacts, my own music videos, and a bunch of other video essays that I've got planned. That's youtube.com slash insane Ian. I have, I think, plugged everything. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I think that's everything. So I'll obviously, in the uh, podcast and the description and whatnot, I'll have links to as much of that as I can. Um, when you get your Kickstarter up and running, we'll you know, share that for you as well. So, um, you know, like I said, get a hold of me a little closer to that, that festival. We'll see if we can't make it up and do some stuff with you guys and, and support that as well. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. And that was our conversation with insane Ian. So really appreciate him taking the time to do that. Um, especially taking as much time to do that. Uh, we've been exchanging messages on Instagram DM to get all that scheduled and, and slated and kind of go over um, very briefly uh, the process and everything. So I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, as far as future episodes, let me know Um if that's something you guys are interested in, we could definitely throw up some, you know, bonus episodes or whatever, uh, talking about comedy music artists or parodies or video game songs or whatever, and do more of a, a themed show um, or a themed episode. Again, as like a bonus episode or whatever. Um, if you guys are interested in that, send a message, leave a comment, whatever. Uh, all of Insane Ian's social medias and things like that are linked in the description. Um, so definitely check him out. Go give him a like on, you know, Facebook. Follow him on Instagram. Uh, check out his YouTube. He does a ton of really funny stuff. Um, we talked in that episode about The Fump, which is a comedy music website so if you guys are interested in checking out some more artists in that genre or whatever that's a great resource to go to that is linked in the description as well um you know it, it's a genre that as we discussed doesn't get as much love as it probably should um but it's a genre that i think is kind of super important, you know, um, because it's so lighthearted. It's not going to be a genre of music that many people are like, oh, I, I love listening to this song when I'm, you know, super pissed off and want to fight somebody and whatever. Like, it's going to make you laugh. It's going to, you know, lighten your mood, things like that. So definitely recommend going over to their website. Check that stuff out. Um, and... You know, hopefully find some artists that you, you like. Ian is a great dude. Um, again, really appreciate him taking the time to do the episode. Looking forward to hopefully getting up to Chicago to do Fump Fest, which is a comedy music uh, festival where they talk about the state of comedy music. They have performances and all sorts of stuff. Um, so... You know, as long as scheduling and everything works out, we'll definitely try to get up there for that. And that's really all I've got for you guys this week. Um, I do have several uh, artist interviews in the works. It's a matter of just getting them scheduled. Um, there are some that I would love to announce right now, but until I get it set in stone, I don't want to, you know, put them out there as, hey, this is, you know, coming up 
soon and then it get pushed back for a couple months or whatever. Um, but definitely there are some pretty big names that we're going to be talking to hopefully very soon um, and get some really good interviews out of them. So go over to Facebook, give us a like, make sure you're following and that you're subscribed and, and all of that, whether it's on Spotify, Apple, whatever. That sort of stuff definitely helps us um, in a number of ways. So number one is obviously the more follows and ratings and things like that that we have, the higher up in the podcast genres that we will appear to hopefully get to a larger audience scale. Um, The other reason that that is very important is it's something that artist management looks at. Um, You know, it's not likely that we're going to get, you know, maybe someone like Justin Timberlake, since we talked about him in this episode, um, on the show until we've got, you know, bigger numbers or a bigger audience that's constantly following and, and commenting and engaged, things like that. So by you guys taking the time to click the button to follow us or to subscribe giving us comments, you know, ratings, things like that, that all helps in the long term for us as well by building that audience. It gives us some numbers and some um, analytics that we can use when we're talking to artist management companies and say, look, you know, this is kind of our, you know, quote unquote viewership and this is what we're seeing for numbers and what our exposure levels are. And that's going to help us land those bigger artists um, and maybe even do some different uh, collaborations or whatever and be able to bring you guys more and more content. So give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment, share the podcast, you know, the whole nine yards, guys. I greatly appreciate everything you guys have done for us so far. Um, I'm looking forward to some of these new interviews and conversations that we're going to have soon. And just, again, thank you um, for everything. So that's what I'm going to leave you with today. Uh, I'm going to play one of Insane Ian's songs on the way out. And that song is going to be Spider-Ham. So check it out, guys. Uh, Hope you like it. Leave us a comment. Remember to take care of yourselves, oh. take care of each other. He's not spider big anymore. And you make the scene. He's spider ham. One, two, three, four. Spider ham, spider ham. Peter Porker, spider ham. He's part big and part bug. Catches thieves while in the mud. Look out. Here comes a spider ham. Is he strong? Is he big? He's an anthropomorphic pig. Catches troubles with a thread. Favorite movie is Charlotte's Web. Hey there, there goes the spider ham. In a lamp lit at night, a spider's bitten by a swine. While that doesn't seem right, he survives to fight crime. Spider ham, spider ham. Take out the middle and you're left with spam Saves the city of New York He's not kosher cause he's bored Look out, here comes the spider ham Look out! Yo!
you'll find the spotters.